Hello everyone and welcome to the Three Ball. I'm your host Sam and in today's podcast we are going to be doing well basically just what my reactions to the 2023 NBA draft are and there there's this draft is different from other ones because it was very predictable in many ways, right? I f- I think I read an ESPN article in ESPN they did a mock draft and they said that 28 like out of the 30 guys that they put in the first round, 28 were actually drafted in the first round. So this 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 draft is very very predictable, which is actually uncommon if you think about it. Most drafts you get to a certain point, like past past the lottery, it's sort of just like you draft whoever basically. You know you you can't really predict a lot of things. This draft didn't really have that, which made it more interesting. And this draft is also one that would that you would you would have approached it as one that would have had a lot of trades. There weren't a lot of big trades, right? We saw the Pacers and Wizards swap 7-8. That's not really anything. You saw the Mavericks and Thunder trade, where the Mavericks just dumped Davis Bertans to the Thunder. That's not that important. And then you saw Rashawn Holmes go to the Mavericks when the Kings dumped his contract in the 24th overall pick there. So th- there there really was, wasn't was a ton of huge trades. I mean, you had Marcus Sasser ending up in... In, in Detroit with that trade, Julian Strother to Denver with the Pacers trade. So there, there really wasn't a ton of a, a, a ton of trades. The second round, there, there were more, but that that's to be expected, right? But as I said, there, there really weren't a lot, which made this draft maybe a little bit boring in some people's eyes. But I feel like the big trades we've already gotten with the Chris Paul trade, which I will touch on briefly. I didn't talk about that because it happened. Well, for me, it happened last night. As Jordan Poole ended up in Washington for Chris Paul, and I think if you're Washington, that's probably a pretty good deal, right? You unload Chris Paul for a good young player, which is kind of what you're looking for, and you get a first-round pick. You get Patrick Baldwin. You get you get some guys you're happy with, and if, if you're Golden State, Chris Paul's probably going to come off the bench. I mean, just just look at their starting lineup, right? They already have a solidified five because I'm, I'm assuming. The trading pool means they're tr- they're gonna bring Draymond back, and I think that's gonna be their their priority this offseason is bringing Draymond Green back. So if they have Draymond Brett back, they have a starting lineup of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney. You you can't not start Kevon Looney because then your lineup is just tiny, and you don't want to start Chris Paul in in the, in that backcourt that's already small. So Chris Paul's gonna be the the, the sixth man over there in Golden State, which that's weird. Uh, it, it's really weird that out of all the teams, Golden State was the one that won the Chris Paul sweepstakes, unless he's on the move again, which I don't know if you're Golden State why you would do that, but there's still a shot at it. I'm, I'm just surprised that it was Golden State. Out of all the teams that need point guards, like a team like Miami, a team like Philly potentially, a team like the Lakers, none of them won out. <laughs> it was the Golden State Warriors, which interesting. Anyways, enough about that stuff. We're going to go ahead and refocus back on the NBA draft. And I'm, I'm, I would do it like team by team, but there's not like a good team by team pick analysis that I have. So I just have all the draft picks in front of me. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to talk about it. So obviously the Spurs with a number one overall pick took Victor Wimbanyama as expected. And Victor's going to come in and be a stud, right? He's 7'5". He has all the NBA skills. If he can improve his three-point shot and get a little bit bulkier, he's going to be 
basically unstoppable. He comes in as the tallest player in the league. He can shoot threes. He can handle the ball. This guy's going to be a stud. I think we all, we've, we've all known that. I think he's going to be. I've said this many times before with the Spurs, though, and with drafting Victor Wembanyama, is that I believe that, sadly, they could be good prematurely. And what I mean by that is I think that Victor and Popovich could win a decent amount of games this year. I don't think they'll be a lottery team, but I think they could be a team that ends up in the play-in potentially, or or you know at least in the eight to ten range. I don't think they'll be drafting one, two, three, four, five, six again. I don't think they'll have that that type of a draft pick with Victor Wembanyama on the team. I could be wrong, because the Spurs team is really weak. It, it's it's just a weak roster to be honest with you. But if Victor does make this team that good. They're too good too early. And what I mean by that is they're not going to be able to get that secondary star. They're not going to be able to get those other pieces in place unless they get lucky to the draft or sign a huge free agent. And the team that I bring up that, that's in this sort of dilemma is the Dallas Mavericks. Right? They drafted Luka Doncic in the first year they were rebuilding. So they really didn't have any other pieces. But then they, they got Jalen Brunson. Right? They, they got a guy there. They got Christoph Porzingis. They got a couple guys. But the team didn't work out. And now you look at them, they got Kyrie Irving, and the team's a little bit in tur- turmoil right now, right? They didn't make the playoffs. They're, 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 they're in an interesting spot. You don't want that to happen if you're San Antonio. I mean, this, this, that's not me saying, oh, don't draft Victor. You know, it's, it's just saying that although you, you can look at the bright sides of drafting a generational guy like Victor, but there's, there's also potentially a downside for that reason. But they're not going to be able to pair him up with anybody else, at least early. The Spurs will have draft picks. They can hit on some of those. They can trade pieces. Kelton Johnson's pretty good. Devin Vassell's pretty good. They have some guys in the roster. And guys will want to come play with Victor Wimbanyama. I'm like, that, that's not a, a, a huge concern of mine. But it is something to think about. Moving on to the second and third picks of the draft, the Charlotte Hornets selected Brandon Miller over Scoot Henderson, who ended up being drafted by the Portland Trail Blazers at three. And I'll start with the Hornets with, with Brandon Miller. And I said this earlier, I think that Scoot's the better player, but I think that Miller's definitely the better fit if you're the Hornets. But I still think that Brandon Miller's really good. right? I, I feel like people are sort of overlooking Miller's skills because I think that Scoot Henderson's better. I think the consensus is that Scoot Henderson is the better basketball player. I think for that reason, the people are sort of looking at like, oh, Brandon Miller, he's not worthy of the second overall pick. He's not, you know, he, he's not all this. Brandon Miller is a phenomenal basketball player. We saw it that year at Alabama. He was incredible. So, although I do think that Scoot Henderson is the better player, we can't overlook how good Brandon Miller is and the impact he's going to have on this Charlotte Hornets team. Like, you, you have a, a core now of LaMelo Ball and Brandon Miller. That's a core that can get you, get you somewhere. That those two guys, if they develop the ways you want them to, can be the, the cornerstones of a championship roster. Obviously, you have to fill in the rest of the gaps, and, and this is long-term, we're speaking. But if Brandon Miller does develop, he has some of the, the scoring skills right now. If he can develop, he's going to be awesome. Like, he really could be awesome, but I do think that Scoot Henderson is better. But if you're looking fit-wise, Miller is the guy. What well, was the guy to go here? And th- this was the, 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 the reports 
that were coming out of Charlotte for the past month or so now. They were looking into looking to draft Brandon Miller here, and it was what ended up happening. So they draft Brandon Miller, filling that role there. And then you have the Blazers with Scoot Henderson. And drafting Scoot does pre- pre- present the Blazers with an interesting decision, right? The rumors, bef- the, the rumors are, hey, maybe they'll trade Dame. You know, maybe they'll trade Dame, and that would open up the spot for Scoot. I don't think if you're the Blazers, that's what you want to happen. So I think that Scoot Henderson, I said this on my other podcast, Scoot Henderson's a guy who's been playing in the G League. The G League is basically, you know, just worse NBA players. College, most of those guys aren't going to the NBA. You'll play teams with guys who have zero NBA prospects. G League, you're playing these guys who've been through college. They've made it out at least somewhat. You're playing some really good talent. Obviously, they're not NBA talent, but they're really good talent. In in that sense, they're going to be more prepared to go up against NBA competition. So if you're the Blazers and you're trying to compete quickly, Scoot Henderson is, is, is the ideal guy as far as a draft prospect goes because he's already been playing against some of these other, you know, M- almost NBA type guys. He's already, you know, sort of been preparing to be an NBA player by playing in the G League. So you, you, you're going to have that advantage. So I, so I don't think you trade Dame because I think that Scoot can make this team competitive. And we've seen Scoot Henderson is a very confident basketball player. He's a very confident guy. He seems like he, seems like he wants to play with Dame. Obviously, who wouldn't want to play with Dame? He wants to play with Dame. He wants to be alongside Dame in the backcourt. Now, in order for that to happen, that will mean moving on from Anthony Simons, which, from my perspective, I would do anyways. I would do that anyways. Move on from Anthony Anthony Simons. Maybe you throw in a draft pick or two. But moving on from Simons is the way to get this team extra pieces to level up to championship. Because you have Damian Lillard. He has that killer instinct. right? You, you, you have Damian Lillard. You got your superstar. That, that's, that's awesome. That, that's awesome. Scoot Henderson, a really, really good secondary guy, potentially. You have Jeremy Grant, if you could bring him back. He could be a really good guy. Yusuf Nurkic has been there a long time, and maybe you're willing to move on from him now. Maybe you want to level up there. But he's not a bad player. He has some pretty good chemistry with Dane. He's adding a three-point shot to his game. So may, maybe you do want to hang on to him. Maybe you look to add a three in place of Matisse Thibel. Maybe you don't. I'm not exactly sure, but we'll see. How they, how they handled that that issue with Lillard, Henderson, and Simons. As I said, my advice would be just just get rid of Simons. I think it's time. I, I think it's time for him. I don't think you want another player like him who all he can do is score. Simons is a scorer. I don't think you need a player like him in the backcourt next to Dane. Scoot Henderson, maybe you could say the same argument, but we haven't seen him play in the NBA yet. You really need to see that before you can make a make a comment on that. Okay, th- those are the top three picks, right? Those are the consensus top three in that order. Next up, you have the Thompson Twins. Amin going to the Rockets at four, and Asar going to the Pistons at five. And I'll start with Amin. He is not the greatest of shooters, but otherwise he's a really talented player. He could, both, both Thompson Twins could be, be incredible in a few seasons. We'll see how they develop. But for Houston, what drafting Amin Thompson means is that I don't know if Kevin Porter Jr. is a long-term guy anymore. Because you already have Jalen Green at the two guard, and he's only like 6'4", 6'5", so I don't think you want him playing the three. So that eliminates that possibility. And Kevin Porter Jr., sure he could come off the bench, I don't think that's the role he's going to be 
fitted into. I think that he could stick around on Houston as a backup, and I do think that long-term Porter Jr. is a backup in this league, but I feel like from his perspective, he doesn't want to be. I mean, who would want to be, right? You're a starter in the league, and your team drafts a player to come in and replace you, basically. That's super, like, that. that's super discouraging. That's super discouraging. And to go from that to a backup, that's going to really hurt. So I, I think that he'll, like, if he goes elsewhere to be a backup, that that's sort of more like, okay, I know I'm going to be a backup here. This this would be more discouraging, as I said. But I think that this was the right move for Houston. I think this was, this was where you needed to take this team. Because if you look at their current players, right, you have Jalen Green, the two, you have Jabari Smith at the four, you have Alperin Shingun at the five, and then you have that three position that's also kind of open. You have the Jayshon Tates, that Tari Eason's of the world who could play there. Tari Eason, I think, could take a leap. And if he does, boom, there's your small forward. If not, oh well, you'll be fine. But Tari Eason, Jabari Smith, Alperin Shingun, Jalen Green, that's a pretty solid four right there. Kevin Porter Jr. is the outlier, just, just because of where the Rockets, this Rockets team is. He is the outlier, although he's younger than you you might think. But I think this was the right decision for Houston to draft Amin Thompson at this number four selection. And then number five was Asar Thompson going to the D- to the Detroit Pistons. And rumors were initially that the Pistons were going to take... Oh, wait, one more thing about the Rockets. I think I'd rather talk about this in tandem with their other draft pick. And also the Blazers. Also even the Hornets. I should probably do this team-wise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack my steps before talking about Asar Thompson. I'm going to backtrack to the number two pick in Brandon Miller. So the Hornets tried to Brandon Miller, but they also, in the first round, got Nick Smith Jr. with a 27th overall pick. And with, at, at 27, there's no reason not to draft Nick Smith, right? He's a guy with high upside. If he doesn't work out, okay. He's a scorer. He's not a great defender, but he could work on that. That, that does concern me that him and LaMelo are both not incredible defenders. But Smith's not going to start, right? He's not going to start. Those starting guards over there are LaMelo they are, and, and Terry Rozier. Maybe even Kelly Oubre if, if they bring him back. Dennis Smith Jr. could play if they bring him back. But Nick Smith Jr. is a combo guard who could, play in the, who, who could be a backup. And if he doesn't work out, it's sort of like an, oh, well, we, we shot our shot situation. And if he does work out, then it's like, awesome, we hit big time. So I, I, I really like that draft pick at 27. Just just take take the shot on Smith. If it doesn't work out, you're not going to be too upset. But if it does work out, you hit a home run. Next pick was the, back to the number three pick with the Blazers and Scoot Henderson. The Blazers made a really wise selection. I think I had this one in my mock draft correct, which, you know, success. But the Blazers drafted Chris Murray out of Iowa at 23. And if you're looking to compete right now, Portland, this was the selection they needed that you needed to make with Chris Murray, right? A score out of Iowa. His brother plays in the league, which there, there, there's, there's correlation. They're, they're twins. I'm pretty sure, but that doesn't really affect. That doesn't really affect Chris Murray's game. But Chris Murray is a high volume scorer, and he's a junior. I believe he's a junior coming out of Iowa. So you know he's a little bit older. He's a little bit more matured, and playing with his brother. I, I know I just mentioned this, but he has played against NBA talent, technically. But I, I think that this was the guy that you would take if you want to compete now. He can even come in and play that backup four position, and I think that'll be a really good guy to play there. So I, I like that Blazers pick at 23. Now we're going to go, or in the Rockets, one more. The Rockets got the quote-unquote biggest steal of the draft that Cam Whitmore at 20. And this is a similar pick to Nick Smith, right? He's a high upside guy. Whitmore's different, right? Whitmore's supposed to go like number five. 
right? He was supposed to go 5 through 8 range. He fell down to number 20. So the Rockets did steal him. But the reason I think that people are like, oh, dang, look, the Rockets stole Cam Whitmore is because there were no other players that fell. There were no other players that fell. I'm not saying Cam Whitmore is a bad player or anything. I'm just saying that maybe the reaction is over-exaggerated. That's all I'm saying. I there, there, There's honestly a reason he fell down the draft boards. Players don't fall down draft boards for no reason. They don't fall for no reason. Like, remember that one year, Denny Avdia was supposed to go number four? He fell down to number nine. Sure, he's probably better than, like, Patrick Williams and stuff, but there's a reason he fell to nine. You know, there, there's reasons players fall in the NBA draft. So hopefully Cam Whitmore can figure it out. Hopefully the Rockets can figure it out because if Cam Whitmore does develop, he will be really, really good. But otherwise, he may not be great, right? He didn't he didn't have a phenomenal season at Villanova, but he's a raw prospect who has all the, you know, the athleticism and the intangibles, maybe not intangibles, but I guess I would technically be intangibles. I don't know. Maybe maybe the, uh, the I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the words I'm looking for. I'm looking for the, like, you know, his, his wingspan, jump. I, I don't know what all that is. The uh, Mainly the athleticism. He has that. He has the NBA type of build. That Maybe that's what I was looking for. He has the NBA build. Maybe he's not the skills. Hopefully he can come into his own with Ime Udoka in Houston. But like I said, I think the reaction might be just a little bit over-exaggerated. Because no other player fell down the draft boards. There were literally no other players that were huge surprises. You know, there, there, there really weren't. And then that, that just makes Wentmore's just that much more of a, you know, more in the spotlight. As I said, I don't think Wentmore's a bad player. I'm just saying that maybe we need to tone, our, tone down our reaction a little bit just because of the fact that he's the only one. He's the only one. So and this might not even be a steal. Wentmore could turn out to be not great. I think he should be pretty good. But we'll, we'll, we'll see how his career plays out. He's got a long time to, to prove people either right or wrong with that, with that. You know, with the claims of the draft pick. And then going back to the top five, I took a detour, I'm sorry. We're back to the Pistons and Asar Thompson. And and this was the way that, I, that it felt like they were leaning after they, 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 they reportedly did not like Cam Whitmore's workout, that he wasn't incredible there. They ended up taking Asar Thompson, who's the better shooter out of the Twins, but not significantly. Amon has the better, you know, better game otherwise. But both of these guys are fairly similar. They both could be pretty good. I don't know a lot about them individually because I didn't really watch overtime elite basketball, to be honest. And I don't do a ton of draft research because I don't really see a huge point, in, point to it. But I, I, do, I do bits and pieces. I'll watch them in Summer League. That, that's when I really do my first evaluations of players. But Asar Thompson, right, he's going to come into a Pistons team that is clearly rebuilding, right? He's going to be one of their pieces they, that they are working with, right? That, that, that's what he's going to come in and do. But if you look at this team, they're going to have to carve out a spot for him because their guards are already set. Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey. But if you're concerned about Cade Cunningham's health, then Asar Thompson could be that too, and Jaden Ivey could be the one, and you're fine with that. Otherwise, if you have Cunningham, if you have Ivey starting in the backcourt, Thompson can play the three. Like, Asar, I think, is 6'7". I think Amin's a similar height. I think Asar's 6'7". He can play the 1, 2, or 3. I, I, I don't think he's a huge one, though. I think Amin's a better point guard. Asar's a better wing player. Asar could play the play the three, right? You scooch Bogdanovich to the four, and you start Duran or Stewart, and you're fine. If you move on from Bogdanovich, you start Isaiah Stewart at the four. You start Marvin Bagley. You start James Wiseman. They have options. I like this draft pick. I think the fit will be fine 
for the for the Detroit Pistons. They also drafted Marcus Sasser with a 25th overall pick that came from Memphis, that came from Boston. Technically, that came from Boston, that came from Memphis. Doesn't really matter. They drafted Marcus Sasser, who's an older player coming out of Houston. He's more of an established guy. This means that they may be willing to move on from like the Corey Joseph of the world, who I do believe is a free agent. They may be willing to move on from him and play Sasser instead. So don't be surprised if they do move on from some of those guys in order to give Sasser some opportunity because he is a guy who could come in and be effective immediately after playing his his entire college career at Houston. Next is the this I said Detroit, I meant the Orlando Magic, who had picks 6 and 11, drafting Anthony Black and Jet Howard. I'll start with the Anthony Black pick. This seemed like the way they were leaning, they wanted to get a, um, you know, a taller guard. Anthony Black does fit that bill. They already have a taller guard in Markel Fultz. But Black is a guy who could play the one or the two, and the shooting guards on this team were not great. It's like Gary Harris. Jalen Suggs, I think, will be the normal starter. But I think he would probably play Black over Suggs, at least at this point. So you can start Black at the one. You can start Black at the two. Off the bench, you have you know, you have Cole Anthony. You have Jalen Suggs and, and Fultz, Fultz, Suggs, and Cole Anthony. So they have a lot of guards. They're going to be a guard-heavy team. I'll talk more about that when I get to Jet Howard. But I think that Anthony Black, I said this before, would it be a low floor or a high floor? Well, I, I don't know exactly what that would be, but what I'm trying to say is that the the, the chances of him being like trash are, are pretty slim. That that's really what I'm trying to say. I think he could be you know he I don't think he'll be fin- I don't think he's gonna be like superstar level, but I think he could be really good. I, I think that this is a solid pick if you're the Orlando Magic. And then in 11, they probably took the biggest quote-unquote reach in Jet Howard, especially when you consider the guys like Grady Dick and Jordan Hawkins, even Keontae George were still on the board. But when you're considering that the Magic wanted a shooter, Jet Howard is a good shooter, and he's a really good scorer all around. But if you're looking at, at pure shooters, Grady Dick is the guy who has most of the other things. You know, he's probably the highest-rated shooter out of out of the whole bunch. And the, even, even Jordan Hawkins, right, he's probably the best pure shooter. I think he's probably the best pure shooter out of anyone in this draft class. But they opted for Jet Howard. We'll see if it was a good selection. We'll see if it was a bad selection. You never really know until they get in the league, you know? And then with the seventh pick, the Indiana Pacers drafted Bilal Koulibaly. But obviously, that was not the Pacers. That ended up being the Washington Wizards via trade. And Koulibaly saw his name rise up some draft boards in recent weeks after teams seemed to like his game more and more. This seemed like a high selection for him, though. I didn't think he would go this high, but he did. Washington took a chance on him. We'll see how good he is. I know nothing about him. I know absolutely nothing, so I'm not even going to pretend like I know anything. I'm just going to move on because I know absolutely nothing. And with the eighth pick, the Indiana Pacers did take Jairus Walker, which was expected. My Walker was the guy who it seemed like Indiana was going to take wherever they were selecting. And it makes sense. They need some power forward play. And Jairus Walker is that physical guy that you really like to have down low. He will fit with Miles Turner pretty nicely if they do hang on to Turner. I think that was a really good selection for the Pacers. And I don't think they had any other first round. They did. They had Ben Shepard out of Belmont. I don't know a lot of, about him either, to be honest with you. So I'm just going to move on because I don't know a lot about a ton of these guys. So I'm not going to pretend like I do. From the ninth pick, the Utah Jazz had a selection, and they decided to draft Taylor Hendricks out of UCF. And the Jazz seemed like they liked him in recent recent weeks. They wanted a, a forward who could who had positional versatility, and Hendricks sort of provides that. And you can start him and Markinen together. That you know allows you to let Kelly Olynyk 
move on to the bench, be that backup center to Walker Kessler, allowing Yudoka Azabuki to walk. It, it sort of works out well by drafting Hendricks. I, I think the Hendricks has some nice potential. I don't know a lot about him either because I didn't watch him at UCF. So as I said, I apologize. I don't know a lot about these guys once you get past the top, top-end talent. But Hendricks does appear to be a pretty good player, and we'll see how he does in Utah. And with the 10th pick, the Dallas Mavericks drafted Cason Wallace, but that pick was not, did not belong to the Mavericks. It belonged to the Oklahoma City Thunder, and that trade was number 10 pick from Dallas as well as Davis Bertans to the OKC Thunder in return for the 12th overall pick. And this was just purely a, a, um, um, a contract dump, which if you're Dallas, it makes sense. Dallas still got their guy, which I'll talk about in a second, and Derek Lively, they still got their guy. And they offloaded a contract, right? Dallas Bertans is set to make like $16 million. If a guy doesn't play, that's a terrible contract. That is a horrific contract for a guy who doesn't play. So it does make sense that they were willing to trade down if they're still going to get the guy they want. Right, that that does make sense to contract dump him and open up more money in free agency to either one bring back Kyrie, which it seems like they're gonna be forced to, into doing, or two bring in other guys. So from a from a organizational from an organizational perspective, it does make sense. It, do, it does make sense, and because because they still got their guy, that that's really why it makes sense. But back to the draft picks, right? OKC ended up drafting Case and Wallace. I said this earlier, as a Kentucky fan, I watched Cason Wallace a lot this past season. I know I know a lot about his game. He's a really, really good defender. He's one of the best defenders in this draft class, I really do believe. As a guard, he can defend uh, the point guard, he can defend the shooting guard. And his scoring ability, there are times where he is unstoppable. If you go look at that Kansas State game in the NCAA tournament that Kentucky lost, Cason Wallace was the one guy who was playing well. Maybe that was the Providence game. I don't remember, but one of those two games, Cason Wallace was really balling out. He's a good enough shooter. I'm a huge Cason Wallace guy. He's another guy like Anthony Black, who did, who I don't really see him being a bad player in this league because of his defensive ability. He'll always have that to his advantage, and I think if you can develop him as a scorer, he could be a really solid player. I'm super high on Cason Wallace. And OKC, they can make this work lineup-wise if they want to eventually start him. Because I think Wallace is like 6'3", 6'4". He's played the 2, he's played the 1. He's better at the 1, though. He's definitely better at the 1. He played a lot better there for Kentucky. You have Shea, you have Giddy already there. Giddy's 6'7", he can play the 3. He can be, uh, in, in today's era of positionless basketball, that's fine. You could go SGA, Wallace, Giddy. You're fine there. Lou Dort off the bench. That that would maybe help height-wise. Maybe you start Lou Dort at the 2. But in positionless basketball, if you start Giddy and Dort together, it doesn't really matter what position they play because there's switchability, both on offense and defense, so you're fine there. Moving on now to the Mavericks draft pick, it was Derek Lively, the second out of Duke. And this makes sense. The Dallas Mavericks need center play, especially if Dwight Powell leaves. They're going to need center play. I don't know a lot about Derek Lively, but he is a 7-2 center, so he can come in and provide some, some relief down low. They also brought in... They also brought in uh, Rashawn Holmes from the Kings. I believe contract dumped him. I don't know what they. I don't know what Dallas gave up, as well as Olivier Maxent Prosper. I don't know a lot about him either, but I think he's another pretty good defending forward. I think that that is a good selection for Dallas. Maybe you get a new Dorian Finney-Smith there. If you do, you're happy because Dorian Finney-Smith was pretty good for the Mavs. 
And then you have Derek Lively, as I, as I mentioned. Derek Lively can be that center. You let, um, you let Rashawn Holmes be the backup, and you let Prosper be the two or be, be the backup three or backup four. I think you're happy with how that draft goes if you are the Dallas Mavericks. Then at the 13th pick, you had Grady Dick going to the Raptors, and this is a pretty solid selection. Grady Dick can just come in and just shoot the lights out, and, de- and, and Toronto doesn't really have a lot of those guys who can just shoot the lights out. They have some good shooters, but no really, really, really good shooters, and I think that, that I mean, Gr- Grady could be that. I'm not sure the exact volume he shot it on, but I know he's a good shooter. That's really what he's advertised as. I don't know a lot else about him. I apologize, Kansas fans. I don't know a lot about Grady, but he should be a pretty good pick for the Raptors. As far as team construction goes, it's going to be interesting to see how they work this out, considering that this past season the shooting guards were OG Ananobi and Gary Trent, and Gary Trent already opted in to be back, and we know Toronto doesn't like to make moves, so Ananobi might be back. Grady would probably play the three, which, I mean, he could do. I think he's 6'7". It, it would just be an, it would just be an interesting fit. So fit wise, I don't love it, but as far as selection goes, for the team needs, it's a pretty solid selection. And then rounding out the lottery, the Pelicans drafted Jordan Hawkins, which is a pretty good pick. They got a really nice shooter, and this team, another team that needs some really consistent shooting. C.J. McCollum's a good shooter, obviously. This team is full of good shooters. Everyone on this roster, at least. Most of the guys on this roster can shoot the ball. If you just look at it from top to bottom, they have a lot of guys who are good shooters. Jordan Hawkins, as I mentioned earlier, probably the best pure shooter in this draft class. And he's a winner. You know, he's proven to be a winner. I don't think his his ceiling is super duper high, though. I think there's a limit to how good he can be. There may not be. There may not be. I could be completely wrong. We've seen some really good guys go at the end of the lottery sometimes. But I think there is a limit for Jordan Hawkins. That's just my personal take on it. But I think this is a really good pick for the Pelicans as far as team needs go. And then the rest of the draft was less mentionable because I don't know a lot about most of these guys, so I'm just going to flat to the picks. The Hawks ended up getting Kobe Bufkin, who, you know, his range is sort of, you know, 11 through like 20. He was sort of projected to go anywhere between there. And the Hawks ended up drafting him. I think I had the Hawks drafting Hood Shafino, which there isn't much of a difference there. Bufkin played an extra year in college. He's had more experience playing the two-guard position, so he can handle both of those, provide some relief there for Trey and DeJounte. And then the, draft, and then the Jazz ended up getting Keontae George, which is a really good selection. I like Keontae George a lot. And the Jazz need some guard play. The Jazz need a lot of things. So I think the Keontae George was a pretty good pick. And then in 17, the Lakers got Jalen Hood Shafino. Pretty good pick. The Heat drafted Jamie Jacquez out of UCLA. I know he's a long-tenured player at UCLA. He can come in and make an immediate impact. The Warriors drafted Brandon Podzimski. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Out of Santa Clara. A good score. Pretty good pick. We already talked about Cam Whitmore and the Rockets. The Nets with 21 and 22 drafted Noah Clowney and Derek Whitehead. Two sort of long-term prospects that could be really good if they pan out. We already talked about Chris Murray and Olivier Maxence Prosper and Marcus Sasser and Ben Shepard and, and Nick Smith. Back to the Jazz, they drafted Bryce Sensible at 28. The Pacers drafted Julian Strother at 29, but that was not the Pacers, that was the Denver Nuggets. And in the 30th pick, the Clippers drafted Kobe Brown out of Missouri. And that was the first round of picks. Second round, I'm sure there'll be some really good players out of this, there always are, but I don't have the time to mention that in today's podcast. But anyways, that is going to do it for today's podcast. If y'all did enjoy, make sure you do show support on whatever streaming service you're listening on. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, I'm out.